quickly after we raised, our USVC contacted us and said, if there's any way you can avoid going out to the market for more capital in the next 12 to 18 months, you should do that because the capital market is about to go into flux. And our expectation is that investment is going to get more and more difficult to find. Welcome to Clean Tech Forward, a foresight podcast where we explore clean tech customers, capital, and Canada's path to net zero. Tune in to learn more about Canada's most exciting clean tech startups, industry success stories, investor insights, and academic initiatives as we accelerate the growth and impact of clean tech together. Welcome to season two of Clean Tech Forward. I'm Jeanette Jackson, CEO of Foresight Canada. Throughout the next nine months, we'll be taking a look at some of the critical barriers that need to be overcome for Canada to achieve a net zero transition. We'll also be telling the story of Canada's path to net zero through the lens of topics like capital, adoption, and exports. This week, we open up this series with a discussion about capital, perhaps the most important piece of the growth puzzle for Canadian clean tech ventures. Access to capital is changing for ventures. In the midst of economic uncertainty, supply chain delays, and rising operational costs, ventures are having to adjust and navigate fluctuating markets. With expert guests, we will explore what they are doing to cope with the increased financial pressures associated with operating a business, from rising costs to cooling cleantech investor sentiments. This Cleantech Forward podcast is supported by Gowling WLG, a global leader in intellectual property law Gowling WLG works alongside Canadian clean tech companies to develop IP strategies that maximize business opportunities and increase market share while protecting valuable innovation. From idea to investment to international expansion, Gowling WLG understands the potential of your intellectual property at every stage of growth. Visit gowlingwlg.com backslash clean tech to learn how they can support your business today. In a national survey of Canadian clean tech companies conducted by Foresight in 2021, ventures identified access to capital as the number one barrier preventing them from scaling and deploying their solutions. To bridge this gap, Foresight launched the Foresight 50, a list of the 50 most investable Canadian clean tech companies to showcase our national talent and attract investments from around the world to the sector. 2S Water is one of those companies, so I sat down with CEO Anthea Sargent to discuss the sometimes difficult process of securing your first investor. It was a really complicated process. It was it was not the journey I thought we were about to have. And I think, you know, in order to talk a little bit about our fundraising story, it's important to realize when we were reaching for funding, because there was a moment in 2021 and, and like late 2021, early 2022, when clean tech was both exceedingly popular as an investment and there was a strong desire for investors to move capital into the market that I think we've seen pass now. That moment has passed, but that was the moment that we were moving. Um, and very consciously, we had been tracking the investment market you know, very closely throughout the life of our company. And we were aware that there was an incoming market disturbance that we expected to hit in the summer of 2022, which I think was accurate. So we were hunting both US VCs and Canadian angels because we didn't really know where we would fit into the ecosystem. Let me start off by saying that that is a difficult thing to do and and maybe uh, in retrospect wasn't the best way to allocate our resources. 
having said that, we learned so, so much through that process that I think I, I think we could not have made different decisions at the time. It's with the eyes of retrospect that I can say, you know, what we did was the best course, other courses, maybe not the best. In the first half of 2021, the clean tech sector saw more than $3 billion in equity financing. This represents a 335% increase over the same period in 2020. Since then, investments have been steadily declining. In the first nine months of 2022, Canadian clean tech companies have raised just $874 million. For many clean tech entrepreneurs, where the money comes from can be just as important as the money itself. Investors can offer advice and expertise industry knowledge, and critical introductions, in addition to providing funding. And Thea's first offers came from the wrong places, which put her and her team in a difficult position. We actually ended up receiving three different investment offers from US VCs that we walked away from. And, and we walked away from them because the terms weren't right. The stage fit wasn't right. You know, we saw a lot of US VCs in that moment pushing to a lower um, bracket than they normally would. So series A investors talking to seed, seed investors talking to pre-seed, and then having a misaligned expectations of what the company would accomplish in between this funding round and the next funding round because of their usual investment location, as well as the terms of VC deals maybe not making sense for the size of round that we were doing, just the amount of of reporting and the amount of oversight that would be required as compared to the size of our fund. Which makes it sound like it was easy to get offers and turn them down. It was not. It was an incredibly, incredibly painful process. As I'm sure you're aware, female founders get about, well, they used to get 3% of the funding that actually dropped in 2021, I believe, uh, to 2.5% of the funding. So knowing how much more difficult it was simply to get an offer, to walk away from an offer was heartbreaking. Just a very, very difficult choice. But we decided it was what made sense for the company. So we ended up uh, taking an angel deal, which I'm very happy with. I think we got a lovely set of investors. We partnered with angels out of Ontario because we are addressing the mining market primarily. And that was where we saw angels who understood the market that we were moving into. And that was just so important to us. I mean, frequently, we've done a lot of pitching previously to the Alberta market. And their understanding of the oil and gas industry is fantastic. If you have an oil and gas product, this is the place to hunt for investors. But they didn't have that same depth in the mining market. And that that made a misalignment in between the investors and the company. So we ended up going to Ontario in order to get our funding. We partnered with the, the Georgian Angel Network, who are just a fantastic group. Really recommend them if you're looking for funding. And we were very lucky in that we took the term sheet that we had to one of the US VCs that we had been eyeing for our Series A round, and we we ran it past him. We basically came with the term sheet the angels had given us and said, will you still love us if we sign this deal? Will you still want to invest in us in the future? And, uh, and that US VC actually said, I want to come in on this deal. So we ended up making a deal in between half, uh, angel, half Canadian angels and half US VC funding. So um, my angels are all mining industry. My VC is water industry. And where we're seeing that play out is kind of twofold. One is that they they understand the technological path better. So water technology often has a, a longer path than other technologies. It's just the nature of the industry and the nature of water is very complicated. And as we're going through the commercialization process, we now have understanding investors who aren't 
worried about the timeline because they understand that this is the natural path of a water technology. And they bring connections and, and assistance in a way that I think if we partnered with investors who were oil and gas industry, they might be understanding and supportive, but they don't have mining companies on their Rolodex. They don't have water companies who've been through this experience before. So the advantages of having those kinds of investors is phenomenal. Jason Robinson, CEO of Avoco Limited, had a much different experience. When Jason founded Evoco, he did so with a partner and the seed stage capital already secured. It was a non-traditional launch of a company and one that allowed Jason to pursue and secure grant funding shortly after founding his company. These grants allowed him and his team to undergo the research and development of their product and begin the process of market discovery, which is critical for businesses at this stage. At that point in time, we amalgamated a small business together to bring some cash into the, into the company. And that really started our journey on scale and growth. I think the next stage was in collaboration with various grant programs was to start to generate revenues and cash very quickly from the businesses that we had on offer. But that took us to a, a point. You mentioned bootstrapping. That was very much our journey <laughs> for the first you know, four or five years of, of the business. But uh, last summer, we raised uh, $5 million on a Series A. And that was to start to scale the business, which we could start to add to the team, bring value to the team, enhance the innovation process that we have and the facilities. There's no right or wrong way to launch a venture, and there is no set in stone pathway to success. It is different for everyone. But for so many clean tech innovators, capital is a key concern. In markets that can be unpredictable, sometimes it comes down to timing, as Anthea Sargent discovered during her first round of fundraising. So firstly, we did oversubscribe our round by slightly more than 50%. And that was at least partially on the advice of many of the investors coming in saying the capital on the market is not going to be available very soon. Quickly after we raised, our USVC contacted us and said, if there's any way you can avoid going out to the market for more capital in the next 12 to 18 months, you should do that because the capital market is about to go into flux. And our expectation is that investment is going to get more and more difficult to find. Hand in hand with that, as soon as we received our, our funding, one of the first things we did was apply for multiple other grants. That sounds counterintuitive because we had money in hand, but many of the grants out there require you to have matching funding. So when you receive your funding is actually the perfect time to go out and run the grant circuit and see what you can bring in in order to supplement that. We are so lucky here in Canada with the amount of grant funding available. And for hardware, it is vitally important to have that because things just take longer and cost more. Despite the current volatility of global markets, these innovators are bringing urgently needed solutions to the table. The race to net zero can't wait for markets to stabilize or for the global supply chain to catch up. Industry partners and companies with climate-based emissions targets know this as well and are digging in to find those solutions. The brands, the companies out there have huge net zero ESG mandates within the companies, right? And they're kind of getting ready for the future generations of consumers that are going to hold these guys accountable. So when we're looking at our sector, we see not only a huge amount of opportunity amidst the, the issues with, you know, potential global recession and the, the supply chain gluts and stuff that we have in, in the consumer goods sector, 
we still see the impetus of adopting technology like ours across multiple categories in, in this industry, fashion, footwear, and consumer goods. So starting there, we see, yes, some headwinds, um, but uh, we see the opportunity for our business to grow um, in the midst of a, a recession or a slowdown in the economy. We have an issue in Canada. Traditionally, investment deals in Canada are much smaller compared to a market like the United States. In fact, my perspective is that Canadian early stage ventures under raise by 50 to 400 percent. Market size, population, etc., all factor in to create this economic circumstance. And this often forces companies like Evoco, who are poised to scale their businesses, to look outside of Canada for investors who can accommodate their needs. There's a lot of mechanisms within Canada to kind of support connections, um, introductions, and sort of thing from Canadian companies to Canadian VCs. And I think for early stage seed and maybe even Series A, the Canadian investment community is hugely important to Canadian companies. But when you start to look at growth and, and higher capital requirements, you have to start looking outside of Canada. Um, and I think we've learned very quickly that's a challenge to kind of get that, you know, the Canadian company kind of into that American or global VC. And, and how do you make those connections and how do you gather interest in the Canadian company? But it has been a challenge to try to get those introductions and to get someone, you know, other than kind of cold calling on LinkedIn and stuff like that to kind of have a reasonable way to get in contact with people that allows them to garner some interest in what we're doing. So that hasn't been, I have, I have to admit, that's been a part of the challenge. It's been a learning curve on how to do that. We're trying to use different mechanisms, including, you know, PR and <laughs> other things to kind of gather a, a little bit more interest in kind of the evocal brand from the investment community outside of Canada. So what I'll say is it is a challenge, but I think, you know, it, with groups like Foresight and others that we've been trying to engage in and, and, and trying to get our profile out there, we're hoping in the future that, you know, the American or the global investment community will look at Avoco and maybe, you know, outside of the, the Canadian ecosphere. Canada has a wealth of talent, but having to look outside of Canada for investment can also lead innovators to look outside of Canada for new markets, which means impacts are being made elsewhere in the world and not here at home. If we want Canada to be the first G7 country to reach net zero, the clean tech sector is going to need the support of the investment community, our government and industry. We need all hands on deck to move the needle now. Canada's a bunch of great innovators, um, early stage. And we need to start moving that early stage concept to scaling and growth and creating impact. And that is, you know, reducing our emissions, whether it's through the energy play or carbon capture play or AI or all that kind of stuff. What I'm getting at here is, you know, I think the Canadian side of things really needs to focus on moving companies from the innovation phase into scale and revenue and growth. And I think that's part of the challenge with, you know, kind of building some of the innovations at home. And that's where Canadian companies kind of start to look abroad for investment and for, for financing, particularly. And that might divert some of their attention away from Canada, from, you know, building a, uh, a facility or a factory or, or, or something here and moving it to the US or Europe or Asia to kind of, you know, make an impact outside of Canada. 
So I think, you know, it, it's going to always be tough because just the size of the population and, and, and they sort of thing in Canada to kind of create, um, you know, a lot of homegrown technology that's used at home, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, the government's going to have to play a role in this and, and, and to kind of start, like I said at the beginning, uh, you know, Avoco used a lot of R&D grants and, and sort of facilities to help build the company from an early stage. Um, we need to start moving that early stage financing to, you know, if you want this technology adopted at home, we need other incentives or regulatory or another investment mechanisms to kind of to build that. Or we do see a lot of technology and as offshoring and, and making an impact somewhere else. But I still have a lot of faith in the Canadian market. I think you know, like I said, we're great innovators, probably the best in the G7. I'm going to go out and, and on a limb and say that. Um, but I'll say that, you know, if we're going to really make an effect at home from our own carbon emissions, technology not only needs to move out of the innovation phase, but needs to be adopted at home as well. And I think that that will be um, a crucial stage in us reducing our, our carbon emissions and being, you know, top five or top three or the best. Canada has the wealth of talent to create game-changing clean tech innovations, but we need more support. We need a legislative framework in place that encourages the adoption of those technologies at home, in addition to later stage financial supports. We need to think outside of the box on how we scale and fund later stage companies. But there are other considerations affecting Canadian entrepreneurs as well. Talent acquisition, supply chain delays, and rising operational costs are also causing many problems for Canadian innovators. And Thea and her team have been weathering the storm of these turbulent conditions. Well, supply chain obviously springs first to mind. As a hardware company, we have parts ordered from all over the world. And we are seeing significant supply chain delays, massive increases in pricing, expectations of suppliers that aren't being fulfilled. So, you know, either orders where there is no delivery time or where the delivery time is a, a, a pleasant fiction that we're all enjoying. And that has a massive impact for us. We've been dealing with it okay for now, but as we scale and grow, it's a major concern for us. You know, if we get a large order, how are we going to service it? How do we make ourselves a priority in these vendors' eyes when they're in a state of crisis themselves? Another issue that you mentioned, employment and salaries, certainly it has a massive impact on the startup world. Already as a startup, you go into the job market struggling to, to pay what uh, fair and equitable wages are. That, that's why grant or startups often supplement with equity uh, pay. However, with the rising demand for, certainly for software programmers, I think that's where we're seeing the, the majority of the issues. Uh, wages are massively increasing. The opportunity to to even reach new employees uh, is becoming very difficult. And uh, I think that's something that we're going to continue to see playing out as a difficult market going forward. The cleantech sector in Canada has seen growth and rising employment demand as more industries look to technology to help reduce their environmental footprint. But many clean tech companies are experiencing challenges in recruiting workers with the skills needed to support the needs of their growing teams. Capital not only impacts how quickly and efficiently a company can develop and deploy its technology, but also how fast a team can grow as it responds to workload increases and the demands of their growing customer base. All of these conditions have huge implications for the investment market going forward. And Thea's advice for innovators, pay close attention and try to plan accordingly. 
I think the issues that we're that we're seeing play out are global and the the economy is global. So that is logical. However, the signs indicate that we are going into a global recession right now. I do not think we have hit bottom yet. Whether or not we hit bottom is going to be determined on a couple of things, you know, who the UK elects as their next PM, what uh, Russia decides to do over the next six months. Uh, there's a number of factors that could continue to negatively impact the world economy. And all of those need to be closely watched by startups. The capital systems that we live and thrive off of are very affected by these global trends. And I think anybody who's running a startup who isn't watching and isn't worried needs to start watching and being worried right now. Hand in hand with that, if you add in the supply chain issues that we're seeing that I'm really not seeing, certainly in our supply chain, I'm not seeing them clear up yet. Uh, other manufacturers I talk to are also not seeing an end to the supply chain delays, which we were hoping to tie these things back together. The, a new supply chain issue has arisen in the United States because the Mississippi River has dropped so low that barges aren't properly able to to transverse the river. These issues all tie into each other. And every indication is that they are going to continue getting worse. And I think if we plan upon them continuing to get worse, we can only be positively surprised. Whereas if we discount them now, uh, the the negative surprise could be significant. Despite everything we have discussed today, Anthea offered a positive note for clean tech innovators and those interested in the sector. If you're thinking about supporting a clean tech company, maybe coming to work for one, I strongly encourage it. We're doing really cool stuff today. You will not get a front seat at, at the innovation table like you will if you come work for a startup. So if you're thinking about it, come, come play. And if you're thinking about starting a startup, I also strongly to encourage you to do that. I have talked a lot about the ways the world economy is dangerous right now in a lot of ways that that climate change is affecting it. There are ways that we can solve these problems and it takes startups and it takes entrepreneurs going out there. We need you right now. If you have an idea that's going to help the world economy, that's going to help the climate, that's going to make the world a better place, we need you. Come join us. What an incredible time to be starting or scaling a clean tech company in Canada. The capital requirements cannot be overlooked. Between supply chain issues, increased operational costs, the costs associated with bringing on new team members, cooling investor sentiments, in addition to larger competitive global markets, the Canadian clean tech ecosystem still has some work to do to overcome these challenges. I am still so optimistic about our chances at becoming the first G7 country to achieve net zero. Canadian innovators and the support network have demonstrated that they have the expertise, determination and resilience to work together and overcome the challenges posed by our current economic climate. I'm inspired by the tenacity of Canada's innovators to take on and overcome these barriers as well as tackle complex global problems. There's a lot to unpack here, but we're not done yet. I will continue this discussion on capital with a few of Canada's most renowned clean tech investors next month. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Clean Tech Forward podcast wherever you listen. To learn more about Foresight's programs, events, and more, visit us at foresightcac.com or follow us on social at foresightcac.com.